Hi there. Welcome to this third episode of the Manifesto. Hi there, James. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, Nick. Not too bad. Yourself? Oh, really well, thanks. Really well. I'm very excited to get on with tonight's topic. We've got a really a meaty one for tonight, um, but a very important one, and, I, and one that we touched on a little bit in our last episode when we were talking about the broader aspects of of manhood, manhood and our challenges and the disempowerment in different areas that we feel. Um, and that topic is is mental health. You know, it is Mental Health Month. Um, and it's a big one. It's a huge issue. Um, just briefly, some, you know, statistics are showing that one in five Australians will experience a mental health issue in in any given year um one in five so that's pretty that's pretty huge you know more than 20 percent of people are going are experiencing mental health right now uh and that can be anything from anxiety disorder to depression to schizophrenia and they're only the ones that have gone and sought help because you know that's the only way that they can. You know the Bureau of Statistics can get to get statistics when people actually present with an issue and get and receive a diagnosis or a, a go down onto their doctors um, on, on the records to say that they've they're experiencing a mental health disorder. So it is a huge issue for men, particularly. Obviously, this is the manifesto. So we are talking about men. Um, it's not that women don't experience mental health. Of course they do. In fact, statistically, it shows that women experience more mental health than men do. But one of the big facts around men and mental health is that men generally don't present. They won't go to the doctors. They won't go and seek help because of all the stigma and the shame attached to it. And that is one of the biggest problems I think we find. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Nick. Um, yeah, I just wanted to I just wanted to share tonight, like not only with you, but also to people that are going to be listening in that you know that of of how normal uh, these mental health uh, issues are as well, you know, things like depression or anxiety and uh, you know if I went to the doctors right at this present moment in time, I would be presenting with um, symptoms of anxiety. I feel a certain amount of unease at the moment, uh, you know, a, around being on this call, I think, you know, and, and, you know, being in front of a camera and, you know, recording. So I just think it's important that we share with people um, the normality almost of, of these mental health issues as well. And, I think that's one of the things that we'll try and uh, bust through or help bust through along with other organisations, just trying to get rid of the stigma around it because, I mean, I don't know if this is the case, but with in light of those statistics that you've just presented, Nick, um, you know, how, how skewed are the men's uh, stats compared to the compared to the women's if, you know, we are to read into that men don't seek help as often as women. So. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's it's very very common um, and something that you know that really needs to be needs to be addressed. And I just think that at the moment most of the approaches to deal with mental health, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, 
uh, are only pretty partial and we actually need a much broader lens and scope to start dealing with these um, with, with, with these uh, disorders. Absolutely, yeah, a, a holistic and integrated uh, approach, you know, which, uh, yeah, we'll talk about a bit more and just give, offer some suggestions. But I guess, you know, that word mental health, straight away we think of, you know, the people we see in the streets that are talking, nattering to themselves that look unkept um, and yeah. the ones that you cross the road to avoid, you know. Mm. So straight away, that the attachment, the association with <clears throat> with that word mental health, is is stigmatised for most of us, for all of us, in fact, because we, you know, it it has, it, yeah, it has. There's certain associations that come with the word. Um, so I guess what it's important for us to do, uh, and a big and a big service that we can hope to hope to achieve tonight is to just dispel in some of the myths. Um, given a few of our experiences as professionals, but also personally as well. Um, and looking at some of the options available. Mm. Because, and, and also defining, I think it's really important to define, I mean, depression obviously is one of the most common mental health disorders that we, that gets talked about these days because it's thankfully, and uh, we've done we've we have come a long way to uh, to actually from where we were say even 15 20 years ago um the word depression is is become much more commonplace it's it's thrown around all over the place um which is in one way is a good thing because it means we're actually talking about it but in the other way it means the it, it's misused the word's misused Depression isn't just sadness, you know. We all have sadness. We all go up and down. Our emotional life is like a roller coaster. We have our ups and we have our downs. Um, the way I like to describe depression is, it's like that, but without the ups. <laughs> there are. Mm. It's just a constant. You know, you might get little glimpses every now and then of a peak appearing over the horizon, but you just don't seem to get there. It's like the sadness, the darkness, the <clears throat> the not wanting to get out of bed in the morning, the just the the being the feeling lost. The image that I get is being in the middle of a stormy ocean, miles from land, without any oars or a or a rudder. You know, you're just bobbing around on the ocean. It's dark. It's scary. It's unpleasant, and it's lonely. It's really bloody lonely. Mm. Um, so, I think for one of the one of the areas where we can actually address the stigma is actually using the word correctly, you know, uh, mm. and using it for for the right purposes. You know, I, I'm I'm feeling really depressed. Are you feeling depressed, or are you just feeling sad? You're having a bad day. You're having you're feeling crap. You're feeling low. Uh, mm. Your energy's low. That's that's sadness, and that's perfectly okay. It's a perfectly normal experience of life. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. And there are different. I mean, there are different forms of of depression as well. I mean, I guess there are. You know, there there is mild depression. There's major depression. 
you know, there's psychotic depression. There are a number of different types of, uh, you know, depression. And I think, I mean, I don't know if you know, but is does bipolar come underneath the um, underneath the, the, the umbrella of depression? It's a mood disorder. I mean, basically, what we're dealing with here with all these terms, all the terminology, we've got the the DSM, the D Diagnostic Statistical Manual, which is the Bible. We're now up to DSM-5, and that's the Bible which the medical profession uses in order to, okay, this person presents with a certain uh, list of, of symptoms uh, as they're expressing them to me and as I'm observing. Um, so therefore, they fit within this category, so therefore I'll diagnose them with, with this disorder and mm -hmm. medicate them accordingly. <laughs> um, there's, you know, so it, we, it's for me, as, as I've may have mentioned before, my, my background is transpersonal counselling. So we're very, uh, whilst whilst the, the, the terms and the labels are use, have their use, we don't attach to them so much. Um, we don't uh, we don't box people within a la within a label within a, a disorder okay we we're more inclined from a transpersonal perspective more inclined to look at the person's experiences and help them gain meaning from their experiences and and then move through the experiences to something else rather than covering them covering the symptoms with a with a band-aid mm -hmm. which i think uh and you know i'm sure a lot of I'm quite controversial in some of my views, and I'm okay. I'll I'll wear that. Um, uh, so I might I might piss a few people off, and that's fine. Um, but my belief is that yes, medication has its place. Uh, I, I, I shared some of my experiences in our first call, where I I was actually diagnosed with post traumatic stress disorder after a um, uh, after a violent assault. Uh, which then led on to severe depression. I, absolutely, I was diagnosed with depression. I was diagnosed with PTSD. And I, the first thing that they gave me was a, a pack of pills. I was on quite a substantial dose of Zoloft for about four years. Um, initially, it helped. I definitely can see that, that, that I got a benefit from it. But then they became, then the, the, the dependency crept in and they became a crutch in order for me to hold on to and, and stopped me from actually experiencing the normal to's and fro's and the emotional roller coaster of, of being a human being. Yeah. Did they, did, they, um, did they give you anything else? Like the, the, the medical establishment, was there anything else? Or was it all your kind of digging that led you to, you know, other, other forms of, you know, like meditation or... Mm. Yeah, that was all, all on my own back. Um, so, as I, yeah, as I was alluding to before, medication has its, per, has its place, can mm. definitely be helpful for a period of time if used in conjunction with therapy um, and find the right therapy for you, refine the right growth path, path for yourself. Mm. Um, of course, 
we're talking about anxiety, depression here. And if you're experiencing something a bit more severe, like schizophrenia or some of the more severe bipolar disorders, then medication may be something that you needs to be a more long-term thing. I don't, I'm, I'm not an expert on that. Yeah. Um, all I, I, I guess for me, one of my biggest things that I hope people can get from this call and that I hope that I can, uh, relay from my own personal experience, but also as, as a counselor, uh, is don't just do what the doctors tell you to do. You know, don't just take the box of pills and go, okay, the doctor says I need to take 100 milligrams of this pill every day and that's going to make me all well. Mm-hmm. Educate yourself. Think about it. Go and learn a few different uh, points of view on, on, on your condition, on your experiences. Um, your, it's your life. It's your brain. It's your body that you're putting all those chemicals into. So you're in, you should be in charge of it. Yeah. Of course, we've got to listen to the medical establishment. We've got to take their, you know, they've obviously done a lot of work to understand what they're doing. Science has come a long way and it absolutely is really important for us, but it's your life. It's your body. So learn about it. Learn what works for you. You know, if medication is working, then great. Have your medication. But then go and do something else too. Get in, engage in some therapy. Do some yoga. Do some meditation. Go do your exercise. Things like that. Um, so that would be, you know, I, I, we got to the tips straight away, I suppose. But that, and we'll come back to it a bit later. But uh, the key is empowerment because when you're feeling depressed or anxious, um, one of the biggest things that you do feel is powerless, absolutely powerless. And that's a scary place to be. So we've got, we're very much inclined in when we're in the midst of our, an episode of depression or anxiety, um, or whatever it is, when we're in the, in the midst of that episode, we might, we may not have the clarity of mind uh, and foresight to say, okay, um, I'll go and read a book. I'll go and engage in a course. I'll go and um, do some online study. <laughs> mm. We we want to cling to the person who's going to tell us it's all going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and that's perfectly natural. So just make sure that person is the right person for you. And they're giving you uh, some other options. Yeah. Mm. So yes, if they're diagnosing you and they're... they're prescribing you some medication that's great make sure they're giving you some other options as well they're explaining what the the medication is going to do for you they're explaining what the side effects possibly could be they're explaining uh the options available to you as far as therapy as far as psychotherapy or psychiatry whatever avenue you want to go down yeah be empowered be take charge and educate yourself yeah yeah no i think that's uh, that's interesting because um and again you know going with this normalization and getting rid of the stigma um theme um it, i mean it only takes i think i believe two weeks of low mood 
uh, or any of the other symptoms uh, to actually be clinically uh, diagnosed with with depression. So, you know, I, I've been there a number of times in my life. I must admit, I've never gone and you know, uh, I've never gone to seek help for it, or you know, gone to a doctor to seek help for it. Um, but again, I mean, I, I don't think I know anyone alive or anyone in my circle of friends or any of my clients that haven't actually experienced, you know, two weeks of a low mood, reduced appetite, you know, whether it's that they've just come out of a relationship, um, you know, or they've lost a job or they're going through a challenging time, you know, as a parent or whatever it might be that, you know, that, that two weeks of feeling low is actually, you know, it's, it's not a long time to be feeling low. And I'm sure, you know, most people out there listening have, you know, have experienced that. So, so and I think another interesting thing that you hit on there, Nick, as well, was the fact um, that you said it feels very, um, you feel powerless, um, you know, when you are depressed. And, you know, one of the, you know, one of the main traits of the masculine um, is, you know, is power. And so it can feel very, very emasculating as a guy to, you know, to be experiencing, you know, depression and not really knowing how to, you know, get out of it. And and I, and I also think as well that as much as they say that, you know, depression and suicide are, you know, can be closely linked, they're, they're not always linked. You know, some people that are depressed, you know, never think about taking their own life. Um, but I think something else that can also um, sprout off of being depressed uh, it, are, you know, addictions. So I think that's another interesting topic of conversation. And, you know, I, I think when we look at what we're trying to do when we are addicted to something, uh, often the thing we are addicted to makes us feel better. Uh, and obviously depression is linked with, you know, feeling quite low and not feeling great. So we, we often look to self-medicate, you know, certainly if we haven't been to the doctor or we haven't been to the psychiatrist to, to get pills or antidepressants or anti-anxiety drugs, then, you know, we can look to self-medicate. So I always think that, you know, addictions are a great place to, you know, almost a great alarm bell or, a, you know, like a, a bit of a red flag in a sense to just kind of go, wow, okay, what's going on here? Why am I addicted to sugar, alcohol, smoking, drugs, uh, internet porn, or whatever it might be that we're, you know, very, very innocently looking to pick ourselves up from a place of, you know, feeling depressed and low and, you know, low self-esteem and, you know, just not good about ourselves. So I, I think as a, you know, as much as we might not know that we're feeling down, um, because classically as men, we're not overly in touch with ourselves. Um, you know, and in touch with our emotions, we tend to spend most of our time, most of our, most of our awareness exclusively in our heads and identified with our minds. You know, and most men aren't in their bodies, and most men don't know that they are depressed. But looking at any addictions that they have in their life, that that might be a red flag that there's possibly something going on. I mean, addictions can be for a number of other reasons as well. Um, but you know, I just think that's a, a a good place to to start looking. Absolutely, I think. Well, let's lay out a few a few of the uh, the red flags that we need to be aware of. If uh, that yeah. may be indicating that we're actually going through some sort of something a bit more serious than just having a shit day. Um, yeah. And absolutely, addiction is one of the one of the biggest. And most important, but most significant um, 
reactions to an emotional dis dis ease uh, for a man, um, particularly because we don't have the emotional skills to 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 deal with it because we don't we probably don't have the social network. Um, men become men often become very solitary, particularly once we've created a, once we've become family men. Um, we lose our uh, contact with our group of uh, male friends that we used we might have um, previously gone out partying with or drinking with or playing sport with or fishing with whatever it was that we used to do uh, a lot of the time we feel that once we become in a committed relationship we need to let that go and focus our attention on our partner wife um, kids the family mm -hmm. uh, and also the career because there's such pressure on the guys to to be the breadwinner, to be to go out, earn the crust, so we can all afford our enormous mortgage and three cars and two dogs and and a massive house. Um, but isn't that stuff going to make us happy, Nick? No. <laughs> 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 uh, so the pressure's enormous. You know, just look at that, yeah. and the pressure's. Just from that perspective, from the uh, the work perspective, that's enough to to give anybody anxiety. That's enough to at least give me a lot of stress. See, what well, what we're talking about is stress. Ultimately, we when stress gets to a point where it turns into something bigger than stress. Stress is a normal part of life. Stress is. Is a, is a good thing because it keeps us motivated. It it helps. Uh, it cl gets us clear. It gets us focused. Um, it's it's part of life, and we're never going to get away from stress. Um, but when stress is just a constant high, and we never get that relief from it, then it turn. It generally, eventually, it'll turn into something more severe, something more um, significant and smack us on our ass, either through a physical illness or a, a, a mental illness. Um, so be be aware of, okay, am I putting too, so much attention into my work or into the family that I'm not actually doing anything for myself? Mm -hmm. uh, and if all of a sudden my stress level is high and... I become more irritable. I start to notice that I'm having more arguments with my wife, my, with my partner, with my friends, with my bosses, with my colleagues. Um, it takes less to trigger me. Your stress is high. You need to do something about it. Um, if I tend to be engaging in more avoidant activities like you mentioned some before, like going to the pub, drinking after work more often than you used to. Uh, exercise, you know, exercise is a, we, we know it's a great benefit to us because it releases all the happy chemicals, all the endorphins and, and the serotonin and, and we get the adrenaline rush and all of that great stuff. But it can also be a really strong addiction. Uh, mm -hmm. Because it gets us, it, you know, we get all those chemicals flowing, so we're having a relief from the the bad feeling that we had before. Um, yeah. So, ob obviously, alcohol 
drugs, smoking, sex. I mean, sex is a is a you know we hear a lot about sex addiction on the on the in the media these days, don't we? It was something that probably didn't exist that long ago. Um, it was just a fun time. <laughs> uh, but you know, sex is a pleasure. So it's, it feels good. So why wouldn't we seek it in order mm. to get away from something that doesn't feel so good? Of course. It's just as like eating a bar of chocolate or shooting some heroin. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it's, it's a release. It's, or, and it's also a, a reprieve from our other experience that isn't very pleasant. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we've, we've forgotten about that. But guess what? It comes back. It's always there until we deal with it, until we actually address it properly. Uh, so some other symptoms could be your weight. You know, if you so, all of a sudden you gain or lose weight, um, if, if it fluctuates, and that could be associated with your emotional state. It could be associated with uh, chemical imbalances within the body. Um, have you got any other... You'd like to add this? Symptoms, yeah, I guess like insomnia could be another one. Yeah. Uh, but that can flip the other way as well with yeah. regards to, you know, if, you, if you're sleeping more than you would do normally. Um, again, I guess it's just a good way of numbing out from, you know, what's present for you. And, um, I mean, I guess when we're looking at causes, you know, of depression, uh, you know, they can be extremely, you know, wide. And, uh, but, I'll, you know, I'll cover a few now. Um, I mean, ones like um, unresolved emotional traumas um, can certainly, you know, trigger depression. Uh, an inability to be, you know, with the present moment, um, you know, that can sort of spark, you know, a certain amount of, um, you know, if, if your emotional intelligence isn't high or your spiritual intelligence isn't too high, just the inability to be able to be with, you know, the complexity and difficulty of, you know, what life throws at you at that current moment in time. Um, but it can also be a brain or a brain chemical, you know, imbalance as well. And, you know, I've seen with clients and, you know, people that have been pretty close to me as well, just how just how you can turn someone around very, very quickly just by altering, you know, their, uh, you know, their, 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 their brain chemistry, uh, you know, and getting someone to eat properly and just sorting someone's digestion out, you know, because... Let's not forget that the protein in someone's diet goes into making our neurotransmitters or, you know, brain chemicals. And just by, you know, getting someone on a better diet, for example, and getting them eating correctly and even something simple as chewing their food, uh, just being relaxed in their life. Because, again, you know, coming back to what you said, Nick, that, you know, stress will turn off digestion. It will turn off, you know. So, again, it's, you know, it, it comes back to our emotional intelligence. It comes back to our ability to be able to deal with life, and you know, building the intelligences in the human body, which will help us deal with what life, you know, throws at us. And I think something that's just come to me there as well, Nick, which I think you sort of touched on in the opening bit when you talked about, um, you know, when you were prescribed, uh, or anti- was it antidepressants? Yeah. But it's. That for me, I think depression, um, a lot of it is centered around, it, 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 it's almost a numbing, not a complete numbing of what's going on for you, like emotionally, like in your life. You know, you're letting enough of it in to be able to kind of, you know, pull you down, but it's not a full dropping into and allowing the emotions to come up and to be felt. 
in the body uh, as well. That would be another, uh, you know, uh, I would say another uh, another cause of depression. Um, and it's just, you know, it, it's difficult. But these emotions, we've been told from a very, very young age that, you know, sadness and grief uh, aren't all right. Anger is not all right. Uh, you know, the amount of times that I see now, and, you know, also the amount of times that I've tried to pull my son out of when he's having a tantrum. Or, you know, when I see on the bus or public transport or just out in public, you know, the amount of mums or dads that, you know, really cut their kids off from this, from the full spectrum of emotion, you know, whether it's a tantrum or anger. And for me, that is just a sign that, you know, for me, when I, when I try and cut my son off in those situations is that I'm just not, I'm not okay with my own anger. I'm not okay with my own grief. Um, you know, I'm feeling uncomfortable, I'm feeling a certain amount of shame if he's doing it out in public. Um, so just from a very, very early age, I think we're taught that certain emotions are not all right. And, you know, I've, I've only been having a conversation with a client this week of, you know, how he's actually been taught or has a belief that being happy and being really satisfied with his life is not all right. You know, where he was getting pulled up by his, you know, by his parents when he was younger about, you know, let, let's not be too self-indulgent with these, you know, happy feelings. And it's crazy. Like, we end up being this kind of... You're too happy, James. My I know. I know. It's just it's madness. But we, we end up in this real mono-emotional state. And, you know, you can't just cut off from the bad ones. If you cut off from the bad ones, you also are cutting off, you know, from the good ones. So we, in our attempt to not feel the bad ones which classically ends up in addiction and, you know, um, numbing out, just, you know, sleeping too much or whatever it might be. Um, we also really diminish our ability to be able to then really feel the joy, the happiness, um, the, you know, the, the, you know, feeling content or whatever it might be. So I think a lot of it, a lot of dealing with depression for me comes back to uh, emotional intelligence. Um, and it comes back to a real ability to be able to be with the highs and lows of life and just really allowing it just to, you know, just to wash, wash through you in a sense. And there's a few different ways that you can, you know, that you might, that you might uh, build emotional intelligence. There's a more transcendent way of working with emotions. And then there's a more embodied, you know, a more feminine way of working with emotions to really feel the emotions. Um, so there's a few different ways of doing it, but yeah, we'll, we'll me, get into some tips, I think, in, mm. in a little while. I'd like to uh, just touch on something you, you mentioned before around the the training that we give our children. Mm. Um, I think you know, we, I mean, we all grew up with it, particularly our age group and and older, you know, where boys you know, weren't allowed to cry, you had to, you, you weren't allowed to deal with emotion, um, you weren't allowed to be expressive, you had to get, keep it all together, and, you know, if you hurt yourself, you get back up, <laughs> and you mm. carry on, you know, that's what being a man is all about. Um, mm. So, of course, all of that, all of those messages that we, that we take on board as a, as a young boy and growing up through our life that goes to create all the the <clears throat> the repression of the feelings that we have uh, and also the shame around feeling so when we get to that point where 
we all of a sudden we find ourselves in a position where we're feeling really shit and we might we don't know how to cope um then the shame associated with that is not going to help me it's not going to get me to a place it's not it's going to be it's going to make it much more hard for me to go okay i need some help um so that is number one priority we need to uh remind everyone out there all the guys out there that there's a point you get to where you just need some help or you just need someone to talk to and that's okay that doesn't mean you're you're any less of a man it doesn't mean you're weak it doesn't mean you're worthless it just means you've you've reached your point you've reached your capability maximum we've all got our capability maximum we can't take on the world uh all at once um And it may not necessarily be, okay, medication, therapy, blah, blah, blah. It's just about giving, it may just be a a shift in perspective, which is necessary in order to get you out of your slump. Um, But coming back to the kids, the kids of today, I've got it so much harder because they have, uh, yes, we've come a long way. um, Let's, I wouldn't say abolishing well, we've definitely uh, come a long way in abolishing the stigma around mental health, but we've also created more in in the process. Um, but at least it's a conversation that's that's okay to have more than it was in our in our childhood, anyway. Um, but we've also introduced all the technology uh, and all the ways in which kids are reducing their one-on-one face-to-face contact um, and secluding themselves to their bedroom, to their technical devices, uh, where they open up to much more pressure online. They're open up to cyberbullying, all of the all of the things that come with um, with our communication technology. But we've also uh, the young boys of today. They've got the pressure of trying to be a man, whatever that means to them, because let's face it, they don't have a great deal of uh, good examples of what that means. Um, The education system is almost void of good men within the education system. Um, It's a very highly feminized system, particularly in primary school. So they, they just don't have those male role models around to look up to. A lot of fat, you know, half the families, let's say, are broken, and the child's most likely to live more, spend more time with the mother. So, again, he doesn't have that good male role model. But also, there's the there's the peer pressure on on the boy to 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 be to step up to be a man to be this sort of man that he's got no idea what that means, but also um, to be to be a bit more in touch with himself, um, to be communicative, to be emotional and, emotional um, and expressive and all of these things which are very okay to do these days. You just look at, you just look at how boys, young, young men and young women communicate with each other these days. That It's so much different to when we were kids. There was a recent study uh, which was quite 
enlightening, quite shocking, in fact, um, where it, one of the findings that they they got was um, it through interviewing young people today's from 16 to 25, um, one in five 16 to 25 year olds feel that life isn't worth living. One in five. That is a fairly huge statement to say life is not worth living. Uh, that's not, oh, you know, I'm a bit stressed, I'm a bit upset. That's a pretty huge statement. Yeah. Um, yeah. One in, so, and then one in two are concerned about coping with stress. Mm-hmm. So we've got a generation that are growing up totally stressed out. <laughs> the pressures on them are absolutely immense. Who knows what they're facing in adulthood when, um, you know, when they're growing into a world that we've screwed up for them. Uh, that I think is really, really sad and really important to be addressing on a very holistic level. Yeah. 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 Um, it's interesting. I just want to sort of just uh, add to what you were saying about like the education system, and there was something else there as well. It's it's interesting, isn't it, how we are how we are, you know, maybe brought up by by our mums, uh, you know, because of broken families, but also dads, uh, you know, working and trying to be the provider protector. But, you know, I know, speaking of my own experience, that certainly worked in a way, let me just uh, sort of just unpack that a little bit. I guess in a sense, you know, I was very, very comfortable with, with expressing sadness uh, and grief, you know, which I did get, you know, from my from my mum, but on the flip side of it, you know, I wasn't very, um, I wasn't very adept at expressing my anger, for example, so I had, you know, as much as you can be emotionally intelligent and be with different, you know, obviously there's different emotions that will trigger different things in us and we'll be more comfortable with some and others, so it's interesting, isn't it, how some mums, you know, I've heard some mums say it, you know, big boys don't cry to their three or four year old. Um, you know, man up or whatever it might be to try and, you know, shame kids out of expressing certain emotions. And, you know, again, I think it all comes back to uh, the skill of the individual parent. You know, the, the, the father might be more emotionally intelligent with some emotions and the mother might be more emotionally intelligent with, with others. And, and it's interesting that point as well you made about education, about how the education system has been, you know, feminized. Um, yes, I would agree in with regards to, yeah, there's lots of, like, I don't remember the statistic around, you know, how many female teachers there are compared to men, you know, male teachers. Um, but I think the actual, what they're being taught, like the curriculum is actually very masculine. Yeah. It's very logical. It's very rational. It's very head-based. Um, sure, they're doing drama. They're doing, you know, sport. They're doing other things which does keep them more in touch with their body. But... You know, they're certainly not teaching emotional intelligence. They're certainly not teaching, you know, yoga, qigong, kinds of things that that would make it much more integrated. And let's face it, the you know the current education system is 150 years old. So, and you know, I, I think it's important as well to acknowledge that you know, as it's it's quite easy to say that you know we have fucked things up, and that you know things are a bit 
you know, um, that you know that we aren't doing well and that you know everything's going to shit. Um, but you know, I also think underneath that as well, we need to look at the evolution, you know, that is taking place and that has taken place ever since the Big Bang. Um, you know, uh, if you actually look at it, look at you know, culturally, individually, um, scientifically, you know, we are evolving in all different areas of life and sometimes it doesn't look like it. And I think if you plug into certain forms of the media, you know, or certain, um, you know, teachers or whatever it might be, that we, we can get this kind of skewed, um, skewed perspective. And it's not wrong, but it's only, but it's partial in its, in its you know, reporting of reality. And so I think it's important that we kind of take an integrated approach to looking at humanity and what's going on and culturally and scientifically and, um, you know, to actually just kind of go, well, if, if you look at it, we are actually evolving and, you know, we're experiencing greater moral development than we ever have. Um, you know, we're experiencing, I mean, there's still some horrendous things that go on in the world, don't get me wrong, but if you look back two, three hundred years, five hundred years, a thousand years, you know, what we were killing people for, you know, you were lucky to kind of, you know, reach, uh, you know, 35 years old. Um, so we're making great leaps and bounds. So I think it's really important to keep hold of that because it's very, very easy for us to just, you know, take that kind of postmodern view of, you know, we're all going to hell uh, and it's going to happen one day or another, you know, the environment's going, the da 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 da. And, you know, it's not to say that we become naive and we become complacent because I think, you know, certain, a lot of these issues need to be addressed, but they need to be addressed by integrated people. Uh, and I think that's really kind of, I think, you know, we're coming back to our mission statement again, aren't we, Nick, really, of integrating men, you know, so that they embody a mature masculine that's actually going to help, um, you know, help us get over a lot of these global issues that we are experiencing and uh, I think a big part of it, you know, a, a big part of all the skills that we need to embody as men, you know, will will help us, will help us navigate what we're talking about tonight, you know, mental health, um, depression, anxiety and all of those. So I just wanted to kind of bring that context, um, yeah, just to, uh, to what we were talking about because because guess what? It can be quite depressing to uh, to plug into the uh, you know what's going on around. It's very true. You know, if you look at the media, mainstream media, and you look you know and you don't you know you don't broaden the lens of you know mainstream media, then it could be bloody depressing and you know very anxiety invoking. If we're um, if we're looking at like, just those things, it's just like oh, shit. You know, yeah. You're you're absolutely right, um, but I think. Just to add, there's, uh, I think, 90% of the population haven't got a clue of what actually is going on because the media don't doesn't report <laughs> some of the bigger stories. They only tell us what they want us to, to see. Um, you know, there are some really important things to be aware of, but being aware of those in a, in, in a, in a, in a way in which we can see, yes, we are making progress. Yes, there are some things we need to address. Uh, yes, I'm also part of that problem. Mm. Um, and not putting the blinkers on, pretending it's all not going on, it's all not existent, because that's going to get us in the shit as well. Absolutely. Um, so 
coming back to the topic of the night, mental health, it's all about how how we engage in our own self-care um, mm. and how we can build our resilience skills because we need, that's where it all comes down to is how do we bounce back from situations which pull us down, which knock us off our perch, which make us feel like crap. Um, so it's a, it, it, it is a muscle that we need to build, the resilience muscle. You know, we need to go to the gym and build the resilience muscle in order to cope with our life because it is getting more and more stressful. The, the life of modern day uh, living, unless you're going to go and escape and live on the bush somewhere, uh, which sometimes sounds quite tempting. Uh, <laughs> it is bloody stressful. You know, we, we're constantly connected. We've, you know, how often do we actually find a moment where we don't have anything to do? Mm. And then when we do find that moment, how guilty do we feel for doing nothing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, oh, shit, I've got to do something. I've got to find something. Oh, I'll get my phone and I'll look at Facebook or <laughs> I'll play a game. You know, yeah. no one can actually just sit with themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, that, but that comes back to what I was saying about the, the inability to be in the present moment as yeah. well. It's, it is that guilt for sure. That can be something that takes you out of just sitting still and doing nothing. But it can be that. But it can be like, oh, my God, like if I sit still, whatever it is I haven't dealt with and whatever it is that's given me this anxiety or depression is going to is going to come up. And it's just like, oh, I need to get away from this. I need to do something that's going to distract me. So building those resilient skills. I mean, you look at the most resilient people in the world. I mean, we, we often see in the media inspiring people, you know, people that have gone through really tough times or they've uh, been born with a body defect, or, but they haven't let it hold them back. Mm. What is it about those people that that helps them get through life you know when most or a lot of us are upset and depressed about the i don't know my, my car needs a needs fixing <laughs> yeah you know or I, I can't pay the bills this week you know that's they're important things but how important you know mm. so I think one of the biggest things is just choosing where we focus in our attention. What are we focusing on the negative or are we focusing on the positive or trying to find the positives within the negative? A situation arises and instantly it might make us feel uncomfortable. It might make us feel afraid or sad or angry. Um, with a little bit of time, with a bit of adjustment of our of our point of focus, then we can start to look at the gold in there, look at the opportunities to learn in there. Um, straight away, I've found some. I've found a purpose for that situation. There's a reason for that situation, and guess what? I don't feel like a victim anymore because mm -hmm. I'm taking charge. One of the biggest aspects of of mental illness is victimization i feel a victim to this thing that has happened to me or this person that has behaved this way towards me or you know and and unfortunately i think one of the the biggest ways in which the medical uh profession falls down is 
perpetuating that victim mentality by saying, okay, you've got a chemical imbalance, here, have some pills, you're not going to get better. This mm. is what you need to do. So therefore, you are now a victim to this chemical imbalance. What about maybe the chemical imbalance was caused because of my environment, because yeah. of the way I'm thinking, um, because of uh, my, my behaviors, my belief systems? You know, let's address some of these deeper root causal factors in, in, the, uh, in the situation in the first place, rather than just putting a Band-Aid on it and hoping it's going to go away. Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't work. We need to dig deeper a little bit, you know, and that's scary and it takes effort. But the only way to actually solve the issue is by taking those steps. Mm. You know, the, the Band-Aid approach of, you know, di um, prescribing medication, as I said before, it has its place, but it's not the answer. Mm. We need to engage in deeper work to learn to grow to move through and and you know one of my favorite terms is to to change the breakdown into a breakthrough so it's actually evolution that's the evolution you know i'm not a victim anymore i'm more than a survivor i'm actually thriving i'm learning from my situation uh mm -hmm. learning new skills on how to deal with those sorts of situations so they're not going to happen, or the severity of them later on are going to be less. And I'm going to have the skills to cope with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's very important. It kind of uh, just reiterates what we were talking about earlier about, you know, feeling empowered or feeling powerless, doesn't it? You know, and that whole victim mindset, um, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's something called the empowerment dynamic. Um, which I've, which you know, I work with with my clients, and uh, you know, before we reach that, very often people have the mindset of, you know, and it's like a triangle. You'll have, you know, the victim in there, um, and you'll have uh, the rescuer as well. So classically, you know, a victim will always look to be rescued, uh, you know, and whether that rescuing comes from, you know, medical drugs, uh, a person that reinforces your powerlessness. Um, or whatever it might be, you know, or the numbing out, the addiction, you know. So, yeah, I think that's a great point, Nick, you know, is to really, is to look for the gold in, you know, and just that change of perspective. And I don't think, you know, it looks like bypassing, you know, what's going on. It's definitely a kind of a real, right, okay, you know, it's a real feeling. It's kind of like, oh, wow, this has really upset me or I'm really angry about this. And it's kind of, you know, going into that. It's not bypassing that side of things, but then it's also just kind of turning the victim mindset into a creator mindset and go, right, I am the master of my own destiny. And let's, you know, what can I do? What can I do about this? You know, what can I do to change this situation? And um, I mean, there's so many different approaches that we can take to, uh, you know, to dealing with, you know, mental health issues. We've touched on a few of them already. Um, you know, certainly with my clients, um, you know, I like to look at um, a very, very integrated approach to it. And I mean, is there anything you wanted to touch on, Nick, before we go into solutions? Um, no, I, th I was thinking, yeah, we should we should start mm. to to <laughs> bring it to a close. But let's let's really address some of the things that we feel are, are, are 
a beneficial ways that we can actually take charge and mm. but oh yeah as you were speaking before um you know that that feeling of okay i'm, I'm i can take charge here i've it, i'm the master of my destiny that might not be a place that we can even believe is is possible in the midst mm. of the deepest darkest moment you know so i need to uh, just reiterate that when we are there, when it is, you know, the there's, there's shit's really hit the fan and we're feeling like crap and we're in the deep, dark forest and we can't see the light on the other side, it's going to be really hard to find those resources within yourself to pull mm. yourself out of it. Um, that's when we need help. That's when you need a guiding light, someone who can walk with you through the forest and get you to, through to the other side whether that's a friend, whether that's a family member, whether that's a professional um, or a group of friends or a men's group, a support group, whatever it is for you that works, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because, you know, the symptoms of depression are to pull away from those relationships as well and it's to not want to go and do those things and it's to not want to go and see the doctor it's to not, you know, want to go out and exercise. It's to not do a lot of these, you know, fantastic, uh, you know, solutions uh, for for what's going on for you. So, yeah, listen, like for me, that's that's sometimes when, and I've seen this, you know, in my clients, I've seen this with people close to me. Is I think, you know, sometimes it, it, it's almost whatever you can bring yourself to go and do. If you're really, if you've got major depression going on. Um, you know, and you can barely get out of bed. It's it, it, it's literally whatever you can manage. And if that means going to the doctor, and you know, getting some medication, then then that's better than you committing suicide. You know, four weeks down the line. Uh, and if that's if that just gives you that slight, you know, sort of light at the end of the tunnel to get you out to move your body, to improve your diet, to then you know seek you know some kind of relational. Uh, therapy through men's groups, psychiatry, psychotherapy, friends, or whatever. Then you know I'm 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 all for that over you know not doing anything at all. And um, so yeah, listen, it's uh, it, it's a tough one, but it's uh, I mean yeah, as I say, I mean I work on a very very integrated approach to it. And I guess if we're looking at it from a you know from a from a, a more scientific perspective, then you know exercise. You know, I think in clinical trials has actually shown to be as um, as beneficial, if not more beneficial, than uh, than antidepressant uh, drugs. Um, so that's a very very important thing to do. I touched on it earlier with regards to um, you know sorting your diet out. You know, getting adequate amounts of high quality protein into your diet because that's what goes into making uh, your neurotransmitters. So. I've often found with working with clients that sometimes if someone is a, a strict like vegan or vegetarian, then that can you know possibly lead to it. And it's and then it's not a case of you know going to see a psychotherapist or you know it can just be as simple as sorting someone's diet out and getting some you know high quality protein in. So I think that's really important as well for us to cover that it's not always going to be you know the symptoms that present is not always going to be what we need to go and seek for a solution. So you know the. Uh, 
yoga is also another you know you know we've mentioned it before qigong uh, any type of movement like that which you know also works with the subtle bodies uh, the meridians and the chakras you know i think that's another very important area to look at as well and and is there any anything else or like breathing like posture can be another one because classically people that are depressed you know present with a you know, uh, a, quite a, a sunken in sort of, you know, and you can tell someone's depressed just by looking at their posture uh, because they don't have this broad, open, you know, here I am kind of posture. It's very much a, a shrinking away from life and it's a hiding from. So again, just working with someone with their posture yeah. and improving someone's posture can help to have, uh, you know, beneficial effects to how they're feeling. You know, it's like the the, the classic opening pose in yoga where you lay back over a bolster and it's, it's, it's a laying back then, you know, can then stimulate certain... Um, it's you exposing know, the heart as well, you know? Absolutely, you know. It's just so that, if we open the heart to, to hey, guess what? Where, where does love and uh, emotion live? It's all in the heart. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so the, 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 as you were describing before, just the physical act of closing off it's a protective mechanism. It's keeping me safe, keeping my heart from, safe from the world who I think is going to attack it. Um, but if we actually open it up, we experience happiness, joy, love, all of those good things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, just what you were saying before, I mean, the act of literally if you may feel inclined to be slumped over to 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 adopt that sort of closed off passive body posture um but just opening yourself up and standing up straight sending those messages to the brain to to make you feel strong powerful happy assertive all of those things confident um and just the act of smiling or laughing you know all of those you know the laughter yoga and things like that they work they work because they're stimulating hormones within the brain that are releasing the happy chemicals yeah. and hey it works you might feel like a dick for a little while yeah but who cares you know yeah and even if all you can manage is rolling out of bed and you know using a pillow to do a laying back bend yeah. Um, what's that pose you called in yoga? I don't know what it is where you just lay down at the start, classically where you where you are laying back at the soles of your feet together. I can't think. Yeah, it's but anyway, you can find it online. Like any kind of standing, laying, or sitting back bend will be beneficial for you. So if if that's all you can manage, if if you if, you know if you can just roll out of bed, even if you just stay in bed, and just you know find something that you can lay over which presents you know and, and you know you get a sense of sort of laying backwards and opening up your front area then that may be all you need to then go and make that phone call because you know the the the, the somatic stimulation uh, you know from the um you know from the from the gross from the gross sort of physical body i you know you've stimulated glands uh, and visceral uh, you know a visceral sort of reaction as well that then you know, switches on certain hormones, certain neurotransmitters, which then may give you enough feel-good factor to then get out of bed, make a call to a friend, uh, and then start to, you know, look for other solutions to what's going on for you. Yeah, really good point. Um, <clears throat> I think moving on from that is is having having good friends, having good people around you, you know, 
one of the as i was saying before one of the 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 gross failings of men is the the segregation that they willfully take uh, around their support network you know unless we're involved in a sporting uh, team or a social group or whatever it is um, often we don't have real good friends that we can actually talk to um, or they might, or we might have one or two that we might have a certain level of depth of a conversation but uh, no one that we can actually go to and say look mate I'm feeling really crap. Would you mind if we just have a chat? Can you just mm -hmm. listen to me for a little while? Mm -hmm. Having someone who, someone there who can listen, and um, by listen I mean listen. That means not giving advice. That means not saying, "Oh, you'll be all right, mate. She'll be right." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh god, uh, that's about you know just sitting with them, being really present with someone, and hearing what they've got to say not only what they're saying but what they're looking like what's not being said you know that sort of friend who we can who we can do that with and they're they're a rare diamond that we need to keep hold of uh mm. and nurture um but if you don't have that then there are services available you know lifeline uh men's line uh in, in australia obviously for the international client um listeners viewers you'll have to find your own uh close to you but men's line in australia is one three hundred seven eight nine nine seven eight and that's a male specific helpline you can call someone up you can actually go onto their website and chat to someone over the internet um and it's guys that are there just to listen to you you know they're trained counselors or you've got lifeline one three one 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 four um same thing, you know. Uh, there are service, free services available, and it, that could be what is in between life and death. You know, it just it could just be that call that saves you and doesn't take you away from your family and your friends. You know, so make the call, grab the friend. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid to, you know, if, if you've got a family member or a friend to say, look, do you mind if we just have a chat? I'm feeling a bit crap about something. Yeah, yeah no, I think that's, uh, I think that's a really good point, actually. And uh, just to add to that, another great organization is Beyond Blue um, for, you know, for, for, for both men and women. Um, they do have a specific uh, uh, men's area, which is called Men Therapy. Or man therapy, I think, and the the number for Beyond Blue is one three hundred two two four six three six. But also, I think another really good thing to uh, to mention at the moment as well is uh, is the fact that both myself and Nick uh, run men's groups, um, and I, I just can't stress how important um, you know sitting in a circle with a with a bunch of other men is and how transformation it can be I've seen it a number of times where men come in uh, you know presenting with depressed uh, symptoms and you know they leave a different person you know just by having that someone listen to them or a group of men listen to them um, you know offer advice or you know other men sharing their like similar experience of what they've been through and what's helped for them, um, you know, if they want that. Um, and just other men being present with them and being able to talk about what's going on for them 
Again, no one needs to be a psychiatrist, no one needs to be a psychologist, a psychotherapist, or any kind of therapist. It's, it's just giving a man a space to download, and it, that, that can often be all it takes. And again, it comes back to allowing to feel. And, you know, very often, I know in the, in the men's groups that I run, that, you know, we create an extremely tight container, uh, which where we build a lot of trust. And, you know, men will often feel comfortable enough to also express emotion, you know, whether it is anger, whether it is grief as well, which can also help to really push a man through what it is that's kind of keeping him a little bit stuck. Um, and I know that, you know, certainly with the structure of the men's groups that I run, you know, we look at taking men into that creator space and, you know, making it very masculine in a sense of, you know, what is it you can do to you know, take you out of, you know, what's going on for you right now. You know, what goals can you set? I'm going to challenge you to do this. You know, what are you going to challenge yourself to do? Um, you know, so it really, really helps and empowers a man to take him out of his current situation. Yeah, absolutely. Can't can't agree with you more. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's something I always wanted, so I created it for myself, you know. Um, I found it hard, and I've been to many different men's groups now, and I'm obviously running my own uh, and different men's programs and also the one-on-ones, but um, if I had a men's group back in the day when uh, I was going through difficult times, um, it would have been an absolute godsend. It would have been a godsend. Mm -hmm. But uh, moving on, I think... As as you were expressing, talking about men's group, it reminded me because I'm actually my men's group and I were going on a on a hike this weekend. So for me, one of the biggest stress relievers is getting out into nature. Mm. Uh, mm. For me, um, I mean, we we're blessed in Australia. Um, I mean, the world anyway, but it's a beautiful place to get out amongst, you know. But if you work in the city, you work in a in the concrete jungle. Uh, where you're constantly bombarded by noise and grime and traffic and the bleeping of telephones and all sort and computers and every all the all the stuff that comes with day-to-day living. To get a rest from that, to get out into the world and actually breathe real fresh air the way it's meant to be, and hear the sound of nature. It's like all some how it just takes all of that stress away and it gets absorbed into the earth I, I, it's my uh, that's my drug <laughs> whether it's the beach whether it's the bush walk whether it's just having a little walk in the park you know uh, go and hug a tree why not <laughs> yeah yeah and I think I think getting barefooted is, yeah. is another important thing to add to that you know that that barefooted that 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 real skin to earth contact uh, really helps to, and there's a lot of science to back that up. It sounds a little bit new agey and a bit hippie-like, but it's uh, you know it's there's a there's a lot of scientific evidence now to say that it's very very beneficial for our health, um, you know both physical and also subtle body health. So it's yeah, yeah, big time. That's uh, that's another great one. And you know we often get bombarded by you know all the technological advances that we've made you know in the in the, in the last century, or especially like in the last decade. Uh, you know that, that can also, as much as it's been fantastic to keep us connected to people, you know, the world, the world over, it can also create a lot of. There's another form of stress, electromagnetic stress, 
Um, so as you say, Nick, you know, just even if you just get away from your computer for like a 10 or 15 minute break, once, twice, three times a day, you know, maybe go barefoot walking in the park. You know, in Sydney, we're lucky enough to have parks, you know, right on the doorstep of the, uh, of the, of the central business district. So it's, it's, you know, we are blessed and it's, uh, you know, and we can get out to beaches at the weekend and go walking, go hiking. And so I think, yeah, that's another a very, very important uh, and area. It's free. <laughs> it's free and it's, it's good free. for us. It's yeah. good for us. There's no side effects. <laughs> Apart uh, from uh, a smile. <laughs> and maybe your boss getting a bit cranky that you're going out, but, you know. That's a, that's a whole other thing that we your need. Your boss to... is getting cranky at that, then maybe you need a new boss. <laughs> yeah, or a new job. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, before, I, I mean, this has gone on, woo, we're, uh, oh my gosh, hour and eight minutes already. <laughs> but it's a very worthwhile conversation and a really important one. And hopefully we've helped, uh, you know, lessen some of the stigma, dispel some of the myths and and reach out to a few people hopefully that are gonna hear what we've had to say tonight and and that drops a little seed in their in their mind and helps them think about something a little differently next time and and do something to help themselves. Yeah. So have you got any more to before we close off? Yeah, just very quickly, um, I know we've mentioned it before, uh, meditation can be a great way uh, of dealing with you know, that, that inner voice and that internal dialogue, um, that compulsive internal dialogue that you know, most people just can't stop. Journaling is another great way as well, just you know, jotting down what's going on for you, you know, what your, sort of, you know, your innermost thoughts and feelings and fears and anxieties, it's just great to kind of start objectifying this stuff and bringing it onto paper um, so it doesn't control us so much and and just some some deep shadow work I would recommend as well and what I mean by that is um, it's quite a big umbrella but get in touch with either me or Nick um, you know would be able to kind of work you through that um, I, I know I'd certainly you know work with my clients on that kind of stuff it's you know things that we've cut off from suppressed denied marginalized uh, you know which can really drive us into depressive states um, or a psychotherapist or anyone, a skillful practitioner that can work with you on any sort of like shadow, shadow material. But other than that, I've just, you know, I, I was feeling pretty anxious at the start of this myself. Uh, it, it's still there a little bit, to be honest with you, but I, I'm, I'm actually really pleased we've had this uh, conversation, Nick, because I know it's... Uh, I know it's something that's affected me. It's affecting, you know, my clients now, my clients in the past, my family. Um, you know, it, it's something that's really... I think, you know, uh, affecting everyone around us, you know, and yeah. I think just so important, such an important topic for us to, you know, to start to break down the stigma around it. And as you say, hopefully we've, we've started that tonight. Absolutely. Uh, excellent. And just to add to some of the, some of the little tools that you can use, um, physical exercise, we've already mentioned, uh, as I mentioned previously, meditation was definitely the thing that saved my life when I was in the deepest, darkest place in my period. Um, <clears throat> uh, music, you know, what a, what a great mood facilitator is music, you know. Listening to the right music to put us into a certain mood or to shift our moods. Um, there's, you know, all of these tools are what 
are called state changes. You know, they 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 use to move it to shifters from one state to another. They can be used in order to avoid, um, mm. which is where we need to be careful. Okay, um, it's not about avoiding; it's about shifting so we can then address. Yeah, and that needs to be really, really clear. It's not okay. I feel bad, so I need to get away. I need to do something that uh, that's going to make me feel good, and then ignore the problem that's made me feel bad, because mm -hmm. that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes, in order to address a situation, we need to have a shift in consciousness, a change in our state of consciousness, so we so we actually can see things clearer, can feel better, and can actually address the problem. In the yeah. first place, that's really, really important. Creates the space. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you know, creativity is a great tool. Uh, painting, writing, drawing, clay mm -hmm. is really cool because it's tactile and you can get all messy. Um, all great little things, just as to we that we can use just as a state changer. And of course, talking to someone is. Very, very important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, guys. Well, I think uh, we'll wrap up there. I'm sorry that we've kept you for a long time this episode, but uh, hopefully it's been worthwhile and you've gained some useful insights for yourself and um, it's been of, ass of assistance to you mm. and hopefully a little entertaining too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time, um, as we've mentioned before, leave us some comments on the on the YouTube video. That'd be great. Um, it will be coming on iTunes very soon. We've got a few technical issues to iron out first. Um, and if you do have any particular requests on topics, then please let us know. Give us the feedback. We'd love to hear your comments. We'd love to get your feedback. And again, you can engage with me at soulcraft.com.au and... James? Yeah, likewise, me at uh, manupproject.com.au. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed chatting tonight, Nick, and uh, already looking forward to the, uh, to the next episode. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, farewell. Be good, be safe, and be well. Take care.